welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Tyler Callahan, and we are now in the final month of 2022. With that, we have the latest box office numbers, Disney Plus launching their ad tier model, and new updates from Hollywood. Let's start with the domestic top five. Staying in first place is Black Panther Wakanda Forever with 17.5 million for a total of 393.7 million. Opening in second place is Violent Night from Universal with 13.3 million. Strange World drops 60% from its opening weekend, coming in at third place with 4.9 million for a total of 25.5 million. Fourth place was The Menu with 3.5 million for a total of 24.7 million dollars. Fifth place was Devotion with 2.8 million for a total of 13.8 million. As for other movies, Black Adam made another 1.6 million for a total of 165.1 million. And The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg's latest film, is now at 5.5 million. That's not great, but it's only in 638 theaters right now. Not clear yet if Universal will do a proper wide release for it. So while Wakanda Forever is still doing solid, it's slowing down to the point uh, 450 million might be out of the question, especially since Avatar comes out in two weeks. Violent Night did slightly better than expected, and it helps it actually got solid reviews from critics, and audiences seem to like it so far. It will likely have decent legs, and with a reported budget of $20 million, can easily turn a profit at the box office, if it catches on internationally. A nice win for Universal. Strange World, on the other hand, for Disney, continues to collapse, and will likely finish in the $30 million range, which is just terrible. Devotion is also still not doing good for Sony, and will likely finish with around $20 million domestic, maybe twenty-five. The menu is still doing decent numbers, and at this point is performing better for Disney than Strange World. Finally, for Black Adam, 175 million is off the table, and it might finish at 170 million. In China, One Piece Film Red opened and made 11 million dollars, coming in first place. It should be noted it opened fully on Thursday, so if you take that out, it made 8.3 million over the weekend. Dropping to second place was Detective Conan with 1.8 million for a total of 20.4 million. Third place was the tipping point with 980,000 for a total now of 22.3 million. In fourth place was Farewell Beijing with 860,000 for a total of 6.5 million. Lastly, in fifth place was Homecoming with 460,000 for a total of 233.7 million dollars. So it's an interesting time in China. COVID is still growing with more and more cases every day, yet after surprising protests from citizens in some of the big, bigger cities, the government is looking to now ease some restrictions. While it's not straight going to everything's open, do what you want, it's clear now the government is now moving away from their zero COVID policy. What this means for theaters is that they can now start to reopen depending on the local government in that area. For Avatar, this could be good, but it, then even if most theaters are open, people might take their own precautions and not go out. That is something we'll have to wait and see. Ahead out the way of water release, the first Avatar movie will be playing again in China in around 80 theaters. This is the 4K HDR version, which was released around the world back in September. It's a very limited re-release, but I guess it helps to drum up hype for the film. More promotional than anything. In some good news for Hollywood, China approved another film for release, and that is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. The DreamWorks Universal film will come out December 23rd, two days after its domestic release. That is a solid win for Universal. So for China, the big holiday films right now will be Avatar and Puss in Boots. Almost any Chinese studio wants to release a big film, 
which considering how COVID is going, I doubt. For Chinese studios, it kind of makes more sense to wait it out for Chinese New Year, right? At this point, for Christmas time, Light Hollywood take the lead with Avatar, Puss in Boots, see how the movie-going audience in China does, and then save their films for Chinese New Year. Internationally, Black Panther Wakanda Forever made $20.2 for a worldwide total of $733 million. Violent Night did open in other markets as well and made $7.1 million for a worldwide opening of $20.4 million. The Menu made another $5 million, bringing its worldwide total to $47.2 million. Strange World made $5.4 million for a worldwide total now of $42.3 million. Black Adam is now at $384 million and she said is at 8.8 million worldwide. Moving on to news in Hollywood, Warner Brothers has announced that Bong Joon-ho's next film, Mickey 17, will come out March 29th, 2024. They also released a small teaser video with Robert Pattinson. The movie also stars Steven Yeun, Naomi Aki, Tony Colletti, and Mark Ruffalo. Warner Brothers is starting to get their 2024 slate ready, and for this, I'm really looking forward to it and can't wait. Another film from Warner Brothers 2024 slate in the news is the Joker sequel. Todd Phillips announced on Instagram that Joker Foley Adu has started filming, posting a picture of Joaquin Phoenix getting a shave. Again, this is another film in 2024 that I'm really looking forward to. In a casting update, Michelle Yeoh has joined the cast of the Wicked film adaptation for Universal. She will play the role of Madame Morble and joins the cast that already includes Ariana Grande, Cynthia Evero, and Jeff Goldblum. The adaptation is a two-parter with the first coming out Christmas Day 2024 and part two coming out Christmas Day 2025. Next up, there's a new film in development at Searchlight, and it's from Taylor Swift. That's right, Taylor Swift will be directing her first feature film at Searchlight from a script that she also wrote herself. Nothing else is known about the film, but her doing this makes sense. She has already directed two music videos for her songs, including The Man and All Too Well. The one for All Too Well is also basically a short film, uh, having been shown at the Tribeca Film Festival this year, so it's not like she has no experience. As long as it's not a musical, I'm interested in seeing what she makes. As for Searchlight, if they are smart, they should release this in theaters. If they market it that, hey, Taylor Swift directed this, her fans should come out in troves. The National Board of Review has released their picks for Best of 2022. For Best Film, they gave it to Top Gun Maverick, with Steven Spielberg getting Best Director for The Fablemans, Colin Farrell won Best Actor, and Michelle Yeoh won Best Actress. The real surprising award is Top Gun for Best Film, but hey, it's their choice. Personally, I think it'll be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, but I don't think it'll win. Speaking of Top Gun, and more specifically Tom Cruise, he's getting at least one award next year. The Producers Guild of America will be honoring Cruise with their highest award, the David O. Sluznick Award. They're not giving it to him just for Top Gun Maverick, but for the films he has produced overall, which includes the Mission Impossible films to name a few. He will accept it at the 34th Producers Guild Awards on February 25th. Definitely well-deserved for Tom Cruise. Next is an update on the sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife, thanks to a Deadline exclusive. They are reporting that Gil Keenan will be the director for the film. He is currently a producer for it, as well as a co-writer of the script. Ghostbusters Afterlife's director, Jason Rittman, will instead co-write the script with Keenan, as well as produce. Deadline also mentions that the main cast, including Paul Rudd, is set to return and will likely be set in New York City. I haven't seen Afterlife yet, so I can't really comment on if it's a good movie or not, but it seems like Keenan and Redman will be working together on it, and hopefully are on the same page as to what the movie should be. It's been a while, but we now know who is buying Brad Pitt's production company, Plan B, and that is Metawan. 
a French media company. While they are not buying 100% of the company, they are buying a majority stake, which kind of makes them the de facto new owners, you know, new management. As for a uh, comment on the matter, CEO of MetaOne, Pierre-Anton Capton, had this to say, quote, this partnership will allow us to create a unique artistic link between Europe and the United States, through which we and Plan B will develop premium independent content, providing a global platform on which the world's greatest talent can continue to thrive. We would like to thank Brad, Dede, and Jeremy for their trust and recognition of the world-class content emanating from our work in Europe. End quote. So I don't really have much to say about this. Personally, I've liked Plan B as a production company, as they have made some really good films. My hope is that Medawan basically lets them continue what they're doing, just provide the funding for it. Now let's go to DC, where a lot of news continues to happen. First, James Gunn has said that Superman is a huge priority for their new lineup of films and the future of DC franchise. This comes amid rumors Henry Cavill will actually not be coming back as Superman. I hope that's not the case. I'd love to see a proper Man of Steel 2. Uh, but it's up to the new heads of DC to decide. Next is a more substantial story, and that is, as of now, Wonder Woman 3 is not happening. Deadline reported that Patty Jenkins submitted a script for the film to the studio, received notes back, and they could not agree on fixing them, so she left the project. The people at the studio who reviewed the script have said that there were issues with the character arc for Wonder Woman, which, after 1984, cannot happen. Now, this does not mean Gal Gadot is done playing Wonder Woman, or that a Wonder Woman 3 won't happen. It still can, it just won't be without Patty Jenkins if it does. Personally, 1984 was really bad. And if Patty Jenkins can't work with the studio on cleaning up the script, then I think it's best for everyone to walk away. I also don't see how, with how things have gone so far, that a Wonder Woman 3 will happen, and there's a decent chance of a recast for that character as well. My story we got for DC is Black Adam. Is it making money, or is it not? Uh, well, that's a question on everyone's mind. First, we start with Variety publishing an article saying that Black Adam stands to lose Warner Brothers anywhere from 50 to $100 million. They based this off talking to people in the studio as well as analysts who know how the numbers work. Uh, basically, the film cost $195 million to make, another $80 million to market. This means $275 million total cost. That means it needs around $600 million at the box office to break even. And, you know, if it hits $600 million at the box office, break even, then all VOD, Blu-ray sales afterwards is just straight profit. Well, right now it's struggling to get to $400 million. Now, Variety did say some people at Warner Brothers dispute what they put together and have said that the film can break even at $400 million. That leads into the second article we got about this, with it being from Deadline. Without calling out Variety directly, they basically said in the nicest terms that what they wrote is a load of bullshit. They did get some people on the record saying it'll make a small profit at the box office, as well as some estimates of cost of and what the studio stands to earn, which, if everything works out, their math says they will make a profit of $52 million. Now, I have a few issues with this story. First, as part of making a profit, there is the fee Warner Brothers pays itself for it to go to HBO Max. That is marked down as $86 million. I'm sorry, but that does not count. That is money being moved around from HBO Max to Warner Brothers back and forth. That's not new money. Also, it looks like unless there are deals already in place, some of the other post-theatrical cash might just be predictions. Like, I see here $27 million for international home entertainment. Is that them selling the film to streamers in other countries that's already counted? Or is that predicted VOD sales? If it's the latter, then that also doesn't count. Because what if it only makes $15 million in VOD sales instead of twenty-five? 
Anywho, this has clearly turned into a fight between parties in Hollywood. Also, shame on Deadline for how they wrote the article, saying, quote, There's some snarking going out there that Black Adam is poised to lose 50 to 100 million dollars, and that is simply not true. End quote. Look, like, look, we get it. Someone at the studio asked you to write this and gave you some data, right? But can you at least try to be a little impartial? Jesus. Anyway, I hope things get straightened out of Warner Brothers soon, because this is a mess. Like, even Dwayne Johnson posted a tweet about the Deadline article saying how they will make a profit. No actor does that, or a big producer for that matter. This ain't normal. For trailers, we got one for Champions. This is the basketball film starring Woody Harrelson and is directed by Bobby Farrelly. The plot of the film is Harrelson is a minor league basketball coach who is court-ordered to coach a basketball team with intellectual disabilities. This is being made by Focus Features and will come out March 24th. Moving over now to VOD Premium. We start with Sony as they have made another deal for their content, specifically in Canada. Deadline has the exclusive on this and that is they have signed a deal with streamer Crave for first window rights for their upcoming films. This starts in April 2023, so we'll include the upcoming Spider-Verse film as well as upcoming sequels for The Equalizer and Insidious to name a few. Crave also gets some of Sony's catalog of movies to stream including the Jumanji and Spider-Man films. This isn't surprising that Sony made another deal, and I did have to look up to remember, but the pay one window with Netflix is only for the United States, so that allows them to make other pay one deals with other companies around the world. Apple has bought a new film for Apple TV+, Plus, thanks to an exclusive from Deadline we now know Apple has bought the package for The Instigators. It'll be directed by Doug Lehman and will star Matt Damon, Casey Affleck. As for what it's about, well, it'll be about two robbers who do a robbery that goes wrong and need to go on the run with the help of a therapist from one of the robbers. With that being the plot, it sounds like an action comedy film and nothing too serious. For Matt Damon, he'll be producing the film along with Ben Affleck with their new production company, Artist's Equity. I guess this is a solid get for Apple, but from what we know right now, nothing special. Uh, hopefully the script is good. So Netflix took a bit of a loss this week, with Mike Flanagan taking his production company, Intrepid Pictures, over to Amazon. He and Trevor Macy have signed a deal with Prime Video to produce TV shows. While with Netflix, they have made shows including Midnight Mass and The Haunting of Hill House. They have one final show with Netflix coming up called The Fall of the House of Usher. Along with that, Flanagan announced that he and Intrepid Pictures have gotten the rights to make The Dark Tower a TV show. He also did mention this was before signing their deal with Amazon and is excluded from the deal. So yes, down the road when it does get made, it could come to Prime Video, but they could also sell it to someone else if they want to. As of what his plans are for this show, right now he envisions uh, five seasons for it and two films afterwards to finish the story. It's definitely a big project to undertake, but Flanagan has been solid in his work so far, so it could turn out well. Besides, it can't be worse than the Dark Tower film a few years ago. As for Netflix, I think this does hurt them a bit. The last few years they have gotten used to having a spooky show ready from Flanagan for Halloween season, and now they will need to fill that hole. As for what happens at Intrepid, I'm going to assume they will grow as they will likely need to make The Dark Tower and some shows for Prime Video at the same time. Disney has rolled out their ad tier of Disney Plus as well as the new prices and bundles. Disney Plus with ads is $7.99 per month, with the normal ad-free plan now costing $10.99 monthly. The new bundle Disney will be pushing hard as Disney Plus and Hulu with ads, together costing $9.99 per month, giving you a good discount compared to buying them separately. From what people are seeing, some movies have all of the ads at the front before it starts playing, while some are sprinkled in throughout. 
It'll be interesting to see how many new subscribers this gets the company, and perhaps more importantly, will it stop the bleeding and start to turn a profit? Small update on Peacock, NBC Universal. CEO Jeff Schell has mentioned that Peacock now has 18 million paying subscribers, which is up from 15 million back at the end of September. That is a nice increase in just over two months, but it's still low compared to other streamers, even Paramount Plus, uh, let alone Disney Plus or Hulu. Uh, so yeah, look, it's good, it's good, but it needs to be better. He also mentioned it as for Hulu and Disney, he is saying right now the only thing that should be expected is for Disney to write a big check, which makes the most sense. We got a trailer for an upcoming film on Netflix called Pale Blue Eyes. It's directed by Scott Cooper and stars Christian Bale, where he plays a detective trying to solve the murder of a cadet at West Point, set in the 1830s. It'll be in limited theaters December 23rd, and on Netflix January 6th. As for what's available to watch now, there's a documentary called Senior. It's a documentary made by Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Smith, focused on RDJ's father, Robert Downey Sr., in his last years. It's gotten great reviews, being certified fresh at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's it for this episode of Box Office Receipts. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.